Genesis chapter 11. Put your mark on Second Corinthians chapter twelve. You know, we're several several people are going to Wisconsin. Uh, Boys are supposed to go there and be a part of a festival and play and all that. And several of us going to Wisconsin, and it was blessed to have that family come down. They're here with us this morning, Don and and his wife Mary and three kids. I'm not even going to try the name Dakota. Um, let's see, Delaney, Daytona, and I always forget. Is it that? It all right, all right. Anyhow, they had fellowship with him yesterday. Told my wife they left our house last night. I said, that's the fakest people I've ever seen. No, <laughs> no, they left our house last night. I said, ain't it amazing how, you know, they live all the way across the country, never met them before in our life, and yet it was like having family because of Jesus, you know, God's Spirit and His people. I love them already, and I enjoyed that time of fellowship with them. And um, So it's good to have them here today. Looking in Genesis chapter, um, well, I'll tell you what, I want to start actually in Genesis chapter 3. We're not going all the way to 11, so y'all calm down, but I do got to give you, I got to give you a couple of things this morning, um, in this. You know, here's, here's, here's what I, this just, I have to either believe one of two things. I have to either believe that there are a lot of people who don't care about being a part of God's kingdom and God's calling and purpose in your life, um, or I have to believe that I think the devil um, has a lot of people that that you're believing lies, and uh, that the devil's always giving you an excuse of why you can't serve the Lord, or why God can't work through you, or why you can't see God's glory in your life. And I think churches are full of people who sit there who wish or desire to be a part of what God's doing and see the Lord in those ways, but I think that those people are believing a lie. Uh, I choose to believe that rather than believe there's people who don't care. Uh, and so I want to talk to you uh, this morning about, and I'll use the word a lot, infirmities. But all, it, all it means is a biblical term means your, your weaknesses, whatever your weakness might be. All of us have weaknesses. And uh, Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians about the fact because of God's grace we can glory in our infirmities. But looking back in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to go really quick to try to cover a lot. Genesis chapter 3 was the fall of Adam and Eve. It's when they they sinned against God. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that the Lord had warned them not to. He said, in the day that you eat thereof, you, sure, you will surely die. Because of this sin, they were separated from God. Remember, they partook of the fruit. Eve partook of it. Adam chose to partake of it. He chose willingly to sin against God. He didn't trust God, didn't believe God. So he ate of the fruit. Immediately, their eyes were open. They saw that they were naked and they went and hid themselves, uh, tried to cover themselves fig leaves, hid from the Lord because the Lord 
would come in the cool of the evening and he would, he would fellowship with them and they would walk with the Lord and fellowship in perfect harmony. And when they sinned against God, a couple of things I do want to bring out. It was the Lord who went looking for them. They didn't go looking for God. We don't go looking for God. God loves us. Even as sinners, God came to us. He's searching for us, desiring to restore and renew. God's whole heart's desire throughout the entire scripture is to reach out to the lost, to restore man to what sin has robbed us from, what we have fallen to, sin takes us to. And so in that... um, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, one of the most important verses in the Bible is one that you ought to study out and understand because it is a promise that God makes and the rest of the scripture is the unfolding of this promise. Okay, Chapter 3 and verse 15, now he's talking to the serpent, here's Satan here, okay? And he, and he says to the, serpent, to the serpent, he said, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman, not between you and the man, between you and the woman, okay? Between, let me find my place, I lost it again. I know what it says. Okay, here we go. Between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you will, uh, and you shall bruise his heel. And so this right here is God is presenting the gospel. To Adam and to Eve, and he's telling he's telling Satan that I'm going to put hatred between between the woman and you. Between notice what he says between your seed, the seed of Satan, okay, the lost, the, those who do not trust in the Lord, and the seed of the woman, not the seed of man. No sin is passed on through the seed of the man. Adam sin in Romans chapter five is Adam sin sin passed upon a man through Adam, and because of that we all die. Okay, you inherit that sin, but but he was referring to the seed of the woman. This is a prophecy. This is a really deep teaching that I'm trying to cover. I don't like covering something this quick. This is a prophecy of the virgin birth. It would be the, this seed is talking about the seed of the woman is Jesus. And so God's saying right here, I'm going to send my son to destroy. When you crush a serpent's head, when you crush a snake's head, it, it, it puts it to death. Okay. It's a death blow. And so, so God the Father is promising, it's not through the works of man, through a bunch of religious things, but I will send my son to crush you. And it's good, ain't it? And so in that, uh, you basically have four things. The seed of the woman, then you have the battle that's involved, the crushing of the serpent's head, and then he said, he will bruise your heel, talking about that this will be accomplished through a suffering Savior. A lot of stuff in that one scripture there. But the rest of the, of the Bible, when you continue to read, what you have is the story unfolding the promise of God. We're saved by the promise of God, not by anything that we do. We don't reach out to God. We don't do enough good. We don't overcome our sin. We basically simply... Look to Jesus in faith for what God has accomplished through him on our behalf. Okay, In that, the second thing you see throughout the scripture is the revelation of the glory of God because sin has blinded us. We, we have a distorted view of God because of our sin and because sin has blinded us until God opens our eyes through the word of God. That's why God studying God's word is so important because that's how you know who God is. You get a lot of ideas today on the internet and the devil and everything else that tells you about God. Go to God's word. Read God's word because this is the revelation of God and the glory of God and and when you look through the old testament you see so many things that God has done to reveal himself to us prior to the flood it was the sacrifice system and 
that Adam and Eve started right off the bat, God sacrificed an animal and he clothed them with that animal representing the sacrifice of Jesus, clothing them in his righteousness. God was the one who did everything. They simply submitted to that. You see the ark of the uh, of Noah, which also represents the holiness of God, the wrath and the judgment of God that came upon the unbelievers. But you see that Noah found grace in God's sight. ark was a picture of God's grace, brought him through that time of judgment and wrath. And now you can go ahead and flip there in Genesis chapter 11 it switches to one specific man one specific family and that is Abraham okay and that's who we're actually going to look at Abraham's wife this morning but you see the glory of God it it doesn't say here but Acts chapter 7 when Stephen's preaching this message going through the message he says that the glory of the Lord appeared unto Abraham you know, there's several several places in the Old Testament where God shows His glory, uh, but here He shows it to Abraham. And then you see the glory of the Lord through the covenants, and you see the glory of the Lord through Israel. And the law represents and shows us who God is. When I talk about the glory of God, I'm talking about the person of God, His nature, His character, His goodness, His power, His strength. Uh, you see it in the temple. Actually, in His the presence of the glory of God was in the temple, resided above the Ark of the Covenant, and filled. Sometimes uh, it filled the temple so great they just had to leave. They could, and then you remember the story, and I'm going to jump around for a minute, but you stay with me and I'll get to my point. You remember the, the uh, story where Moses is up on the mountain, and basically Moses had a blank check. He could have asked God for anything, and he said, Lord, show me your glory. He wanted to see God for who he was, and the Lord covered him in the cleft of the rock, which represents Jesus. And he hid him and he walked by because he couldn't see his face and live. But he saw the, the hinder parts of the Lord. And the Lord, when he declared his glory, he said, he talked about his goodness, his goodness. Man, God, God is so good, ain't he? And then um, you see, the, the awesome thing is the glory of the Lord was revealed in Jesus. You know, they talked about, they, they looked at his face full of grace and glory. They, he represented uh, everything to do with who the Father was. And, and then the cool thing is, I think this is something that we miss, is that the glory of the Lord now resides in the church. Not this building, but in the body, in, in God's people who are born again. The glory of the Lord is the Spirit of God within us. And so God, here's the thing, God, if you're a born again believer, you possess the glory of the Lord. And so we ought to be able to see the glory of the Lord in our life. And we want other people to see the glory of the Lord in our life. But, And then the final thing that you see, and I'm taking you all the way through the Bible this morning like this. But but you see God has a purpose and a plan. And and, and here's the thing. If you're going to see the glory of the Lord, you've got to be a part of God's plan. It's not about your plan. God doesn't wait for you to ask for your little will and your little plan. And he dances around you. God says, this is what I'm doing. If you want to see me, if you want to know me, then you've got to get follow me. You, you go where I'm going. You do do what I'm doing. You'll see God in ways that that you can't imagine. But Jesus said, it is coming when I appear in my glory. That's that's the next big event that we're looking for is so that we see him face to face. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 5, but it says, we do not know what we will be like, but we know that when we see him, we will be like him. You know, the Bible talks about we're changed from glory to glory. When you see God's word and you see Jesus who he is, the more that you the more that you look to Jesus' glory, what you're looking at is what you're becoming. His glory transfers into your life. So important that you get into God's word. But anyhow, since the time of Jesus' ascension, okay, the mission has changed because God has fulfilled this promise. 
Understand this, when he promised that he was going to crush the head of the serpent, when Jesus walked out of a tomb, the head of the serpent was crushed. Okay, He crushed it at the cross because he carried our sin and he carried all of our infirmities to the cross and he died in our place, was buried, buried our sin. And when he rose again, all hell's defeated. Now that's not totally finished until he returns, but there's going to come one day where it will be totally done and he's the one who's going to accomplish it and that's why we're here to worship today. But for for us as the church, okay, we, we, we have the glory of the Lord residing in us and God's mission. We're on a mission. And I think that we need to come to a place to be more mission minded as individuals and as a church because the Lord wants us to reach the lost and to win the battle. We still have the, the seed of Satan that comes against the, us and persecutes God's people and, and you have all this stuff going on. You say, where, where do you see this battle going on? All you gotta do is look at social media and you look at our culture and everything in it is attacking anything to do with Jesus and anything to do with truth and God's word. And so you see the fulfillment of what God has already told us and warned us about but God wants us as a church God wants us as individual people to reveal the glory of God to a world who needs to see the glory of God they don't need to see religion they don't need to see a bunch of ceremonies and I think they've been seeing that I think what people need to see and I believe this all more I believe if people truly see Jesus in us for who he is that I think a whole lot more people would be saved, and I think a whole lot more people would be excited, more people, you know, when you see the Lord, and you see what God's doing as a believer, you can't help but go, I want that. You know, I want to be a part of that, and it says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, now unto him be glory in the church, unto him be glory in the church. And what that means, it doesn't mean that we... You know, sing, just sing, that's part of it. But but there's so much more to, to revealing God's glory. It's going, you know what, if God's glory is in me, if I am a born-again believer and the Spirit of God, the person of God resides in me, revealing God's glory is, now I need to get me out of the way and let Jesus live through me. I don't, I don't honestly see how the world has such a strong argument. Why so many young people are even considering, you know, being an atheist. How's that possible in a Christian nation? We ain't got something right. Because if we were letting the glory of the Lord come through us and come through our families and come through our church and come through our marriage to where they would have to say, man, I don't care what a scientist says and I don't care what a college professor says. And, and I can say this in my life. I don't, I don't care what you come up with. This is what I know. I've seen Jesus in so many people here in this building. I've seen it in my mom and dad and I've seen it in, in my life and in my marriage and every area of my life. This is how I know 100% sure that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he died on the cross was buried and rose again no doubts no doubts because you can't argue when you see it okay now i want you to think about this god wants to use each and every person here who is a believer and if you're not a believer god wants to save you i don't care what your past is god wants to save you redeem you right by his grace and his goodness so if you're here this morning you don't know the lord not promoting you to come up here and be a church member or or go through a ceremony i'm promoting you to look and see jesus and and to come to know him that's our heart's desire and god wants to use each and every person here live here's the cool thing about god's glory not only we want to see it and i want to see it i'm selfish I want to see it in my own life. I want to experience it in my own life. And, but then I also want others to see it. And this is what I say. All believers, all believers have that desire. If you're sitting here this morning, I don't care how long you've been in church, 
what ceremony you went through, if you don't have a desire in your heart to see and to know the Lord and for other people to come to know the Lord, I would really question if you really know the Lord. You know, because Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, and this is eternal life. He doesn't say that you go to a church, that you join, that you go through this process. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. That's salvation. That is, I want to know, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know who He is because He is, if He is my Savior and my Lord and I have faith and trust in Him. And then here would be my second question. How can you have Christ living in you? And He is so good and so amazing and He has radically changed your life. And if you've only been saved for a a short period of time, I promise you a change is coming because that's what God saved you for. He's changing, He's molding you into the image of Christ. How is it we can have somebody who is so great, yet we don't want to share Him with anybody else? That makes no sense. You know, you at least have the desire. And I think there's a lot of people who do have the desire, but then all of a sudden that's where the block comes. And I would ask you to be honest with yourself this morning as you're sitting there. Do you have that desire? Not just when I'm preaching. Not just when you're hearing a message, but through the week. Do you have a desire to go, oh, man, I'm, God, I want to see you, and I want to, I'm not talking about, see, God, show me. If you're real, you know, make the ceiling spin. I ain't talking, I know God's real, okay? He's in me. But I want to see you, God. I want to see your glory in my life. I want to see the your promises come true in my, in my life. I want to see your character and your nature developing in me and in my kids and in my family and in our church body. God, I want to see you. And Lord, above all, I want to see other people. I, you know, I, one of the things that honestly drives me insane is the view that people have of of God and of Jesus and the world. is They don't have a clue who he is because I, the people that, that God gives you the opportunity that I talk to and go, you know, this is who the Lord is. I have so many people go, what? Never heard that before. Even people in church, I'm like, what are you, where are you going? Now, do you not get into God's word and go, oh, that's, I see that, that God is gracious, full of compassion, full of mercy, he's good, that he forgives, that he pardons, that he is truth, you know, that, that he blesses and that he, he cares and he protects. And there's so many things that, that you look at God's word and you go, who could not love him? Who could not desire to know him and for everybody around me, friends and family and, and, and absolute total strangers to go, look, this is the most important person that you need to know. You need to know the Lord because he is who he is, says he is, and he can do what he'll say he do. And I think that, that we sometimes take for granted because and Jesus said over in Luke chapter 10, I think it's verse 24, he said, kings and prophets have greatly desired to see what you see, yet they didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, yet they never heard it. He said the most important people in the world, on the highest levels, desire to see what we see. To see Jesus. To have his word. We take for granted that we sit here in a free nation to where we have the breath of God on our coffee table. The breath of God in our cars that stay there all week. The breath of God on, on the pews that we leave. And there's Bibles everywhere. I just want to let somebody know there's a Bible over here. It's been here for about two months. It is a uh, culture Bible. If you don't get your Bible, I'm taking it home because I want that Bible. Okay. So if it, it's not gone this morning, it's my Bible. Anyhow. But here's the thing, and, but, but we do, we're like, oh yeah, you know, I've seen a Bible in my house my whole life, my mom and dad always had the Bible, 
you know, blah, blah, blah. We hear the Bible, we hear preaching every week, da, 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 and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is the breath of God. This is, you know how many people died for this book so that we could have it? The You're talking about the wisdom of God. So how, I'm so tired of my life being how it is. Open this book and let it be more than letters. Let it be the breath of God in your life and it'll change your life forever. And it'll change your eternity. It'll change generations. Know that. And I want so many people to get that. But, but here's the thing. Some people settle. Probably in this crowd there are people that you're good with a song and a sermon. I used to be. You know, I did the song and the sermon for years in my life. Just go to church, all right. You know, I enjoyed it. You know, all right, good message. You know, that was a really good worship service. Or I might have left and went, oh, he could have done better this morning. He must not have studied this week. You know, same thing you said about me. And uh, and and I used to do that. And there was just something, and there's God's spirit in me going, are you satisfied with this? Are you good with living like everybody else during the week? You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you... You're back to church and I'm saying, oh yeah, I'm reminded that who God is and he's got a plan for my life. And, and that was good. And you go right back. And there was just something in me. I went, Lord, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to you than a song and a sermon. I just couldn't settle. And, and here's the thing. There are some people here that you, you desire to behold his face. You desire to hear him speak to you. You desire to be a servant. That's what a Christian is. A Christian not forced into servanthood. A Christian is one who goes, I want to bow at the feet of Jesus to go, whatever you ask of me, I count it an honor to serve you, to glorify your name. Because like that song says, man, every time they sing that song, I just want to go, he is, he is worthy. Man, can we not get the grip on that? God, you're so worthy. We're screaming it to the glory of God. And, but here's the thing, I, I think a lot of people most feel or assume that they can't for the reason, one reason or another, and most of the time we look at our weakness. Most of the time you hear a message like this, some of you hopefully hear this message and you go, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what God asks. I wanna serve the Lord, I wanna get involved, I wanna, I wanna tell people about Jesus. And the next thing you know, you hear that sorry voice that comes to your mind and goes, you remember what you did yesterday. Remember what you've done in your past. You know these people know you. You know your family knows you better than your church family does. And they know. You're going to go and talk to them. Your, your co-workers, they know the things that you were involved in. And you know what? How can you talk to them about the Lord, you hypocrite? Or we look at our, you know, some of us go, you know, I would like to stand up and, and speak or teach. But I'm just so nervous. I'm so, I just can't, I can't do that. And we start looking at all the can'ts and, and the reasons and the excuses. And this is... Well, I'm going to run out of time, but I'm going to give you this this morning. And if you got to go, you can go ahead. But sometimes we think that that seeing the glory of God and sharing the glory of God is only for the elite. It's not. Look at this real quick in, in uh, Genesis chapter 11. <clears throat> it gives the genealogy of Abraham. Okay, And it gets down into verse 29. It said, Then Abraham and Nahor, that was his brother, took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. Here's what I want you to get right here. But Sarah was barren and had no child. Now you think about this. There's two things it tells you about Sarah. That he was Abraham's wife, okay? Abraham's name meant exalted father. God had a plan for his life, okay, when he was a little bitty. Sarah's name, this is what's awesome, Sarah's name means princess, but the thing the Bible says here is that she was Abraham's wife and that she was barren. 
If you think about what God's doing here, if His plan is to, if His plan revolves around the seed of a woman bringing Christ into the world, you would think that when God, the eyes of the Lord is going to and fro across the earth and looking that His eyes would pass over Sarah. She's barren. So why was she bearing to God make her that way? We don't, it doesn't say. I think there's a lot of times where Satan brings about, and I can prove this, Satan brings about infirmities in our life. Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it said that he was buffeted by Satan with a thorn in the flesh, a weakness or an infirmity. And he prayed that God would take that, that away from him, and the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. And so, there's a lot of times in the Bible we see where maybe the devil attacks us with an infirmity. Maybe we're born with an infirmity, okay? We don't know what her case was, but this is the thing. It was her identification. In that culture, to be barren and not to be able to have children was like, you know, it was it was not good, okay? In that day, children were exalted. In our day, they're murdered. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but But here's the thing. She... Here's, I, I, this is not even part of the message, but I gotta give it to you. She could either go by the way the world saw her, she was, Sarah was barren. Or she could go by the way God saw her, he said, this is my princess. Ain't that good? <clears throat> and so in that, you would think that because of that, God would have been like, well, I can't use her because she's barren and my whole plan is to bring my son into the world and I need the seed to bring the, my son physically into the world. But here's the awesome thing about God, his eyes didn't pass over her and it doesn't pass over us. God looks at our infirmities as an, I don't want to get there. I'll tell you in just a second. So here's the thing. I want to give you some infirmities so you can, so you can get this before I tell you this, okay? Every one of us have infirmities. Here's some of them that I thought of this week. Some of us use our age. I'm not, you know, I'm not old enough to serve the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm little or I'm a teenager. Hey, there was teenagers down here getting ready for VBS and I appreciate everybody who was here serving and sacrificing to get ready for VBS. But you know what? Those teenagers found a place to serve and there were some younger kids here too. Sometimes we use, and I'm guilty of this, use my, I'm too old for that now. You know, used to when I first got to ministry, I would look ahead and have a vision like one of these days God's going to do this and I'm going to be a part of this. But as I get older, I tend to go, man, God, you don't have enough time to do that. And I use my age to go, oh, I'm, oh now we'll, if we're not careful, we get to a point where we go, we'll leave that to the young ones. We've put our time in. Sometimes our infirmity could be our speech. You know, I'm not a good talker. I don't like to talk in front of people. Moses had that infirmity. He said, Lord, I can't, I can't speak. And the Lord said, who made man's tongue? Who made man's tongue? Sometimes it could be our appearance. I want to elaborate on that. But in your sight, you know, I'm talking about what you look at, you know, my appearance. Sometimes it can be a disease. You know, I'll, I'll tell you of a man real quick, Mike, Mike Gales, who it is, Mike Phillips. Some of y'all know Mike, uh, John Gales son. Mike was born, he had a lot of complication when he was early on, and so he's, uh, kind of autistic when you say that's what it would be, autistic. Mike could have used that as an excuse. His family could have used that as an excuse. And I'm going to tell you something. You you will never, you won't meet. If you haven't met him, you won't meet him without meeting Jesus. Because that boy, that boy is going to put Jesus on you. He's going to do it so excitedly. I mean, if you're around him for more than about 30 seconds, he's fixing to put the gospel on you, love on you. He's going to talk the scripture to you. He is probably one of the most amazing young men. And and I, I had the privilege to pastor him from when he was little bitty and watched him grow. And he's still, he's involved with, uh, 
Hope Station now, and he calls us, and he he tells Jeremy, I'm listening to your song, and I'm praying for these people, and he's just he's always just boiling with the Lord, like God, man, I would love to have what he has, but you know what? He didn't let his infirmity keep him from being used for the glory of God. It could be a physical condition. It could be our imperfection. How many of you sit here this morning who are imperfect? Every one of us, man. And so many of us go, I can't serve God until I get perfect. You will never serve God if you have that. You will never serve Him because you fleshly will never be perfect. But here's the news. Jesus, if you're a born again believer, in His sight, you are perfect. You've been made whole. You've been made perfect. Don't let the devil tell you that God can't overcome that infirmity. Some of us are overeducated. You can be overeducated and that can be a weakness. Paul was way overeducated. For the Jews, so God sent him to the Gentiles. You can be undereducated. Peter and, and the other disciples, they were undereducated. But when they stood before the Sanhedrin, they said they took note that these men were unlearned and ignorant, yet they could tell they had been with Jesus. <clears throat> it could be like Esther. Esther, her, her problem was her race. Sometimes, man, we, we'll, the devil will use anything. Say, well, you don't fit in with this type of people or that type of people or this group of people or, and, you know, how can you go to another country or how can you go to another neighborhood or how can you reach, you know, this group? Because you're not the same kind of people. Esther was a Jew and God used that to save her entire nation. But she could have used it as an excuse, and that's what I want to tell you, okay? Your infirmities or your weakness, Satan uses that to magnify the impossibility and the weakness to where he's he uses it basically as this, an avenue of excuse. And some of you are letting that happen in your life. God's like, man, I want to show my glory to you. I want to use you to show my glory to other people. And all of a sudden the devil's like, hey, but you remember you, you're, you're this or you're that or you've done this or you've done, or you haven't quite got to this level yet. And all of a sudden, we use our infirmity as an avenue of excuse. I can't because, how would you end that? How would you end that? I can't because, because you just identified your weakness. And some of us have a bunch. But here's the thing. God sees our infirmities and uses as an avenue for which he can receive glory and show his glory because he is grace. You know, when God started dealing with me about preaching... I went to school with some of you and testified this. Man, I'm such a, a recluse, and I still am. And, and I don't like being around large groups of people. And I, I took zeros in high school instead of walking up and giving a report from class. Just wasn't going to do it. It's not who it was, not who I still am. Still not who I am. Now, I really don't like being in this situation, but I do, I do love preaching God's word. But when God started dealing with me, all of a sudden I started, Lord, are you kidding me? You know, why don't you pick something else? You know, I've got a lot of other things that, that I could do. Lord's like, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to trust me to do what I want to do through you. So don't be surprised when all of a sudden you go, what does God want me to do? What we want to naturally do is go, well, what are my talents and what are my abilities? God's like, I don't care about that. I gave you that for your personal. Okay, you might use that for the Lord. But God's like, let's talk about your weakness. You know, one of the greatest ministries my wife and I have had is counseling marriage. You know why? Our marriage went to Hades in a handbasket. It fell apart. And the Lord's like, I'm going to use that. You destroyed it, but I'm going to use it to show other people what I can do. God doesn't need your greatness or your glory because if you went to God in that way, you'd be the one getting the glory. 
What God wants is, He wants us to come to us in our weaknesses, and in our infirmities, and all of our things that Satan wants to magnify and go, you can, God's eye. That's what I want to use. I want to use your cans to show I can. So that people see, when they see what you do, and they hear what you say, and they see how you live, that they cannot possibly deny that it's me who's doing it in you and through you. Look real quick in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to finish up. <clears throat> story I told you all ago in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul is writing here. You know, Paul got to see a whole lot of things and experienced a whole lot of things that the Lord allowed him to see. And in verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, And lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul saying, you know what? I'm an apostle. My pride can grab a hold of me quick. Unless I be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And so God allowed this. Satan wanted to use it to cripple Paul, to stop his ministry, to defeat him in his heart and his spirit, and to kill God's purpose in his life. God allowed it to humble Paul so Paul would plea and trust in the Lord and not in his own self. And every one of us have to have that. If all you do is what you can do, you will glory in it. Sooner or later, we will become prideful, arrogant, and think that we are doing great things for God. God doesn't want me to do great things for God. God wants to show his greatness through me. Okay? And so he allows this. We don't know what it was. Okay, and we won't go into that. But notice what it says in... In verse 8, he said, Concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He's praying, God, please take this away. Have you ever done that? God, if you would just take this away from me, boy, I could do great things for you, Lord. If you would just remove this from my life, if you would just take away this fear, if you would just take away this, this, you know, infirmity in my, in my life, if you would make me this kind of person, then I would. You notice what God's answer is? He said, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. God said, I don't want you boasting in your talents, in your abilities, in your accomplishments, in your perfection, in all of your degrees, in your church stuff, and this and that. I don't want you boasting that. I want you to boast in your weakness. Because why? He said, I will boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress. For for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so here's the question I got for you. What's your excuse? What excuse do you have this morning? Because there's only two excuses. I don't care. Or, well, I'm a this or I'm a that or I got this infirmity. God's like, then bring that infirmity to me. Because here's what God says. That's what grace is for. Christianity is not about your performance and your demonstrating your greatness or your abilities or your talents. Christianity is humbling myself at the foot of Jesus to go in faith. God, I can't do this. I can't be a part of this. I can't accomplish this. Just like Moses said, nobody's going to listen to me. But God, by faith, I trust that you can. 
And when we do that, God's like, man, I will. God's grace, his power. That's when, and here's the cool thing. You yourself know yourself better than anybody else. You know yourself. You know what you're not comfortable with or what you can't. And so when all of a sudden you trust the Lord and you you obey God and you step out in faith, go, all right, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to get involved and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my mouth. I, you know what? I don't know the whole Bible, but God I do know a couple of things. And, and, and I can't, I can't, you know, give a theological, you know, you know, lesson, but Lord, I can tell people what you've done in my life and, and by grace, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to ask you, God, to give me the ability and the, and the courage to do this, God, and I'm going to speak and I'm going to trust you with how all this comes out. When you see God move, then you're going to be like, wow. That is awesome. I'm just telling you what happened to me when I finally come to the place go, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this. I think it's going to, I'm going to fall flat on my face. It's going to be awful, God. I'm going to totally misrepresent you. And when I started seeing and we started seeing, you have to, you know what I'm talking about. You start seeing what you expect to go a total failure. And then all of a sudden somebody's life and, and eternity is totally changed forever and transformed. You just look at that and you go, that was the Lord. I want more. You know, and it goes from a song and a sermon to go, I don't want that anymore. What I want is, I want to follow him, and I want to see him, and I want to stand before the Lord with all my heart. God knows my heart. I want to stand before the Lord him and go, man, I was able to show my glory to people through you because you got you out of the way. Yes, you were ignorant. Yes, you were uneducated. Yes, you had a horrendous past. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't know the Lord and you're like, man, God can never use me. You don't know my past. I'm a this or I'm a that. And, and I've done all these wicked things. Well, guess what? You're in the same boat that I was in. Man, God came up into that boat and got me out of it. You can be saved. God, the greatest infirmity. And if you read your Bible, it talks about Matthew chapter 8, but especially in Isaiah 53, Jesus took my infirmities. All my wickedness, all my past, and he died for it on the cross, buried it, and it's still buried. And when he rose again, he's like, all I've got for you is grace and glory. And you'll trust the Lord, God will forgive you of your sin. That's what a Christian is. It's not just, well, I go to church. Can we, can we get past the mentality of, yeah, I go to church. What's the big deal? You know, honestly, when you get around, if you're maybe here and you're, you're a believer and you just, you're in a place of deadness because we can get there. We can get to a place where it's just dry. When you when you get around, I'm not exhausted by any means or saying it because they're guests. But honestly, when they left our house, I told my wife, like, ah! you know, I, I want to serve the Lord, you know. Because when you get around people who are excited and they're seeing the Lord, they can't contain it. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, I had that once or I saw that once and now here I am. Song and a sermon. Man, forget the song and the sermon. I ain't here for song and sermon. I'm here to see the Lord. If he ain't here, I'm leaving. You know what I'm saying? Wherever he's going, that's where I want to go. I guess I'll give an invitation of that. So wherever you're at this morning, here's where I'm at. God's grace is it's way sufficient. And you have no excuse. Quit listening to the devil tell you you can't. And start trusting in Jesus to trust that he can. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. And I, absolutely amazed by you, God. Just, just the simple things in my life, Lord, I've seen you do and allowed me to be a part of. And Lord, I just thank you so much for that. Never... Never worthy of that, Lord, never. Lord, your word said, by by the blood you shed for me, you have made me worthy. 
that in all of my weaknesses, God, that you, you knew them and you know them. And God, you're good with that because you want to be my strength. I pray you give each one of us the faith just to trust you, Lord, that you're enough. What you did for, on, uh, for us on the cross when you rose from the grave, that's enough. That's, that's, that's all that's needed. Your last word was it's finished. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't listen to the lie of the devil that, that for some reason or another that you can't be glorified in us, God. I praise you. And I thank you, God, that you invite each and every one of us to experience your glory and, God, to share it. Help us, Lord. Let us not contain that. Lord, not in our life, not in a service, not in a building. But, God, may we boldly live out loud in our faith in a world that needs to see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.